Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today, we are talking to Steve and Rob Anderson McLean. They are from Pennsylvania, and you might have seen them on the morning TV talk shows, and their story's gone viral because it's pretty amazing. They adopted six children, a sibling group, out of foster care. So thank you, Steve and Rob, for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank thank you. you. We're glad to be here. Well, we're really excited to hear your story. You know, the fact is, is that you have been media sensations. I have seen you on <laughs> morning talk show. I've seen you on um, every, you know, HuffPo, you name it, it's it's coming up on my, my news feed. And I remember, I want to say, gosh, it's probably been about three years ago when my story went viral and it was so different. I was a guy sitting behind a desk pushing numbers um, as a banker. And then all of a sudden to go viral and to be on the Today Show and to be on The View, I was like, what the heck is this going on? (laughs) So I want to know, how does that feel? How did it feel for you two? Uh, It was a little overwhelming, I think, at first. Like, you know, like, you know, we just felt like it was just our life. And when we started getting phone calls and, and it was all over Facebook and uh, yeah, it was just kind of kind of odd at first. I think we, we didn't show the kids right away all of it because we didn't want, um, you know, we wanted them to still be normal kids and just have a normal, regular life. And um, But slowly we, we started showing them more and more, and they kind of got into it. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of unexpected, I guess, because, you know, through the whole process even, you know, we never intended to initially adopt six kids. But along the way when we decided that we were going to, uh, we never really thought it was a big deal, I guess. You know, our adoption agency, you know, would reinforce to us that it was a big deal, but we never thought of it as being a big deal, I guess. So so I have to know, I mean, you know, as a father of four, my husband and I, we adopted our four kids. Um, actually, our kids arrived within three months. So we went from no kids to four kids within three months, and they were all under the age of four. So we had oh, wow. we had three of them in di- we had Yeah, we had a six-month-old, two two-year-olds, and a four-year-old, and one of our two-year-olds is special needs. And so um, it was almost like having two infants at the time. And I said exactly what you just, you said, is this, this was our life. You know, I didn't think twice about it. You know, um, my husband and I would just wasn't what we thought about. What was that moment where you woke up and said, we're going to do this? Because we never planned on adopting four kids. It was one and we ended up with four. What was that moment like when you two realized we're going to adopt? Did you know that you were going to adopt in general? Yeah, we always knew that when we added to our family, it would be through adoption, and we always knew that that would mean going through foster care. We It wasn't important to us to necessarily have an infant or uh, even a toddler. Um, it was important for us to um, 
find the you know the 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 child or children that were meant to be a part of our family and we really felt pretty strongly that that would be through the foster care system so i i normally say that all the time and dana jump in anytime you want but i normally say all the time people who adopt through foster care is because they feel they have some type of attachment so you know for me i was a kid who grew up in the system um and i i wanted to give back with Actually, I didn't want to do that at first. It was Reese who told me we are going to do that. Um, I wanted to adopt overseas because I was just like, I don't want to talk about any of those kids in that system because I was one. Where is your connection or did you have one? Uh, not, yeah, not necessarily, I guess, yeah. the foster care. My best friend, who's like a brother to me, he spent time in foster care as a, as a teen. So that was the only familiarity I had with the foster care system, you know, firsthand. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like Steve said, we weren't really, it wasn't important to us to necessarily adopt an infant, you know, or even a toddler. And we just knew there were so many kids in foster care that needed permanency. So I guess that's what, you know, was important to us to try to, you know, we, we had the, the space in our hearts and our home to add to our family. And it was just important to us to, um, you know, to find the right match. So the story is, is that you actually heard about these, the sibling group, is that correct? And, and decided that this was the group that you wanted to adopt? Well, we did a lot of search on the statewide websites for all the different states. And I think it was Rob actually that found our kids first. And then he showed me the pictures and the very limited amount of information that was on there. And uh, I think I speak for both of us. When we first saw their pictures, we kind of fell in love right away. We 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 really felt a connection to them. Um, obviously, we realized there were six, and that was more than what we had necess- You know, we kind of originally thought. Um, we started looking at our lives and seeing what we needed to change. Um, is you know, there were many different things that we wanted to change to make things as as smooth and easy for the kids as possible. But really just seeing their pictures, we just kind of fell in love. We we started talking like, gosh, can we do this? Is this something we could do? You know, part of it, part of it was just logistically, you know, in our home, you know, we had a four bedroom home, you know, could we make it work, uh, you know, space wise, but also the other part of it is emotionally. And as a parent being able to, you know, could we, with our current jobs, be able to contribute, you know, what we needed to, to our kids, um, you know, so that they could, you know, have a good life. Now the kids had been in foster care for 1,640 days. I read, um, you know, which, you know, again, I say this quite often. I think kids sit so much in limbo. It's so sad. Um, when I see how long kids are sitting there and I'm assuming that they sat in there for that long period of time. Um, one, because there was a sibling group of six and of course we never, ever want to split up a sibling group. Um, Right. Exactly. But what I'd like to know is, okay. So me having four kids, the, the hardest part for us was just exactly what you just said, Rob. It was the, can we can we do it with the rooms and then you know both Reese and I were professionals and could we give our children the time that they needed and then that's when my husband decided that he wanted to be a stay-at-home dad and I see that Steve you're a stay-at-home dad yeah yep I I was a wedding planner um, for quite a few years and when we started looking at the changes we needed to make um, we just sat down and, and, and Rob had the idea. He said, you know, what would you, you know, would you consider doing this? And I started looking and, and thinking about it. And, uh, it was such a, a drive. It was such a 
passion of ours to make this work that I, you know, I was, I totally, you know, I was totally in and, and I, uh, eventually after we did visitations and we were matched with the kids and everything, uh, then I gave my notice and I, I gave up that career and I've been a stay at home dad ever since. There are some days where he probably wants to switch roles. <laughs> his, his is definitely the more difficult job than, than my job. As I believe it. Yep. Oh my God. I am so proud that you admitted that because I will tell you, Reese has been a stay-at-home dad now for about seven years, and I tell him all the time, I'm like – you are the one who has the hard job, you know, yep. <laughs> and like I said, we only have four, but you know, um, but yeah, definitely it's a hard job. And, and it's, it's for me and our family, it's about, um, we're very, Reese is very well organized where I'm not. So we like have a big dry erase <laughs> board and everybody has a color. And so we know where we're going to what soccer game or what football game. And, oh. and I, I follow you guys on social media, by the way, and thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, and I sure. see that you guys are very, very active family and, you know, your kids are very active. So what was that change like? Because, by the way, one of you have two older children. Am, am I correct? Right. Yeah, I have two biological sons. I have Parker, who's 25, and I have Noah, who's 21. And Rob's been a part of their lives since they were like seven and three. So he's been a huge part of their lives for quite a while. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> when, when you went to them and said, hey, guys, by the way, we're going to um, adopt six kids and you're going to have siblings. <laughs> six little brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, I want to know, what, what was their reaction? Well, I, I think they always knew that we were going to do this. You know, they may not have known it was going to be six, but I think we had talked about it so much in the past and, kind of, you know, would drop hints here and there throughout them growing up. We really, we wanted to wait until they were pretty much ready to, to leave the nest, so to speak. Uh, you know, Parker's in Egypt at grad school, and Noah still lives here, but uh, he just got a, a, a fairly good-paying job. He's going to be doing pretty well, and, he, and I think he and his girlfriend are going to, you know, probably venture out on their own shortly, too. So we wanted to wait kind of spring this on them and actually make the leap and do this until they were a little older and maybe not that they don't need us, but maybe needed us a little less, you know? Right, right. No, I love that. I yeah. love that. And you know, the thing, when, when you first met the kids, um, you, your first visitation for the kids, could you tell your, our, our listeners a little bit? And by the way, if anybody who's just tuning in and listening to us, um, we're talking to Steve and Rob Anderson McLean, and I will tell you, you guys are true heroes to me. Um, I, I've, like I said, from the moment that I saw your story, I immediately reached out because it's just like, it, it was such a connection and, and watching as a kid who I'm the youngest of 10. Um, and wow, we were, everybody was split up and, um, and it's very common like that, you know, it's very yeah. common. And that was one of the reasons why we have four kids is we have two sets of siblings and Reese and I were adamant that we would not split them up and back 11 years ago when we our kids first arrived in our home it was still very common to split siblings up so I just commend both of you um, for this but I would love to hear the story about the very first visit when all of a sudden there's six kids <laughs> right and as you you know you know based on your experience you you can read about their story on paper and try to learn what you can and look at the pictures before you meet them in person. But there's nothing quite like 
that first meeting where you actually, you know, meet them in person. And um, it was, it was a lot of anticipation, a lot of nervousness. You wonder if they're going to like you or not, or, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, but we had met at a, uh, a bowling alley entertainment center and we arrived early and we're waiting and there was just nothing like seeing them step out of the van and seeing how tall they were. And then when they, come in the building to actually hear what they sound like oh, for the first time. To hear their voices. That's, I think, what really got me, just to hear their voices and to hear them talk for the first time and uh, just watch their interactions with each other and, and see that they were a little nervous, just like we were nervous. And then very shortly, it just kind of something clicked and... I think all the nerves went away, and we were just having fun playing video games and bowling and eating and and just kind of, you know, getting to know each other and, and becoming a family. They were excited to show us their life books, which are, you know, kind of like a scrapbook of their lives up until that point, you know, uh, older pictures that they have, activities, report cards, you know, things from school, and they were really eager to sit down and show us, you know, their life books and tell us their stories. Wow. Wow. You know, were they, were they, the six of them living together in a foster home before they came to the two of you? Yeah, they were. Luckily, the kids were not split up, which is also very, very common with sibling groups in foster care. Sometimes it's very difficult to find one foster home that would take that many kids. But Luckily, the kids were together the whole four and a half, five years that they were in foster care. And kind of like what you touched on, Rob, with uh, your experience, you know, we intended to adopt initially. We were looking at, you know, maybe one child. And then through the classes that we took with our adoption agency, uh, Three Rivers Adoption Council in Pittsburgh, we learned that so many of these sibling groups, I think statistically up to 75% are broken up during the adoption process. So that's kind of where we decided that we wanted to adopt a sibling group. So we started looking at two, three, maybe four. You know, once you hit four, the difference between four and six. Yeah. I agree. I agree. By the way, anything over three, once you hit three, I'm telling you, there's no difference whatsoever. Right. It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. And, and, you know, their, their caseworker, once we got into the process and we started, you know, communicating quite a bit with their caseworker, she did eventually share with us that the state of Ohio was almost to the point of feeling like they had no other option than to look at other um, resources for the kids, which would mean being split up and possibly, you know, they did have inquiries to adopt the younger ones or just adopt boys or just adopt girls or that kind of thing. And when we heard that, you know, we were sure way before we heard it, but when we heard that, it broke our hearts. We couldn't imagine anyone you know, putting like a fast food order in for these kids, you know, like we only want the youngest too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it cemented our decision that we want them all. We want them to stay together. We don't want them split up. And uh, we knew at that point we really made the right decision. Wow, true. Like I said, I I, I said it before, listeners. You, you talk about true heroes. Um, and I know we people don't like to be called heroes, but you are a hero to these these amazing six children. I, and a couple of things that I heard you talk about, which I love hearing because I t- I hear agencies talk about the life books. I mean, my children didn't come with a life book. I don't think that the whole life book um, thing has really started until a couple of years ago. Um, um, 
you know, but I love that, that, but now I have a question and I, and this is going to be a question that everybody's going to, they, they all want to know they, I've had this question. How did you deal with the same sex re- marriage part when it came to the kids? Were they told prior? How, how did you deal with that? Um, well, I will say that, you know, Rob talked about how excited they were to show us the, the life books and they were, they were super excited some of the life books, though, they do talk about, like, their ideal family. And a couple of the kids, at least whenever, because we split up, because with six, we had to, you know, like, you handle them, I'll handle them. and you Divide know, and so, conquer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, a couple of the kids, whenever I was with them going through their life book, they would get a little bit... Um, a little bit shy about showing me some of those pages because obviously kids, you think of a family being a mother and a father. So, you know, when it comes to my ideal family is da 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 da. And you know what? I when with I I think it might have been Celine actually when she showed me that. Um, and you know, I told her I said, "Isn't that everybody's ideal family?" But you know, there's so many different ways that a family could be made up, and there's so many different things that we, you know, we can open our hearts to and open our minds to. And, you know, and she was totally cool with it. I mean, she had no problem with it, but I think she was almost worried that I would be offended or hurt. And I just totally said, you know what, that's everybody's ideal family, you know, type of thing. Right. And, you know, they're, they've been really open-minded. There was never really any kind of um, issue. The Their adoption caseworker had spoken to them uh, you know, before she even mentioned us, she had talked to the kids about what kind of family they were open to, whether it was a mom and a dad or two moms or two dads or single parents. And the kids basically had told her that they were open to any family where they were had the ability to stay together, especially. Wow. So, I love yeah. that. I love that. So in the beginning, you said you had, you had a four-bedroom house. And, and I've heard here you have six kids, and your, your oldest son lives with you as well. Did, yeah. you, did you have to move? <laughs> yeah. This past March, we actually moved into a larger home. Uh, we pretty much doubled our square footage. <laughs> yeah, we, we made it work. You know, our other yeah. house was, was spacious, you know, for us at the time before we adopted six kids. And we made it work for a while, but it was just an ideal. You know, the kids, they were kind of, you know, they didn't have as much separation, which obviously if you have a lot of kids in a small space at times, you know, they <laughs> sometimes tend to fight or argue or bicker. So the space has really been a great thing to kind of spread them out a little bit and give them their own uh, hangout areas. So did the, did the kids have an opportunity to come and stay with the two of you before the adoption was finalized or do they, how does that work? Well, yeah, we did, we did about a month of visitations and they were in Columbus, Ohio. We're in Pittsburgh. So we, um, we, I think out of the month of June of 2018, we were in Columbus 21 days out of the whole month. So we we wanted to be around them and be with them and bond with them as much as possible, um, you know, because we know that it's scary for them. It's scary for us, you know, and we wanted to be with them and really bond. And they actually did. They came and spent uh, a weekend with us. We went and picked them up on Friday, and then we took them back to Columbus on Sunday. And the finalization of our adoption did take a little longer than maybe typically just because of uh because there were six kids and because uh we were they were changing states 
there was a little bit more paperwork involved. So, yeah, they were with us, you know, for quite a while before finalization. So Yeah, they moved in with us the end of July then of 2018, and then we finalized in May of 2019. You wow. know, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with, but in case listeners aren't, that you're basically your, their foster parents until finalization, except that you're fostering to adopt. So. Yeah, yeah. The same thing. Reason I, reason I did the same exact thing, but you know, our process was over two years. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely, absolutely nuts. So, um, and that's why I love seeing how much has changed. Um, even in the last five years, how much has changed? Um, Dana, I talk about this quite often about you know the pushback we got because we were gay parents, right? Absolutely, and it yeah. sounds like that wasn't you know, as far as the court system goes. That wasn't a factor. It was just. Um. Or was it? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was never an issue with, of course, when we searched out adoption agencies, we would call different agencies here in the Pittsburgh area and, uh, you know, talk talk to them about, you know, how they felt about same-sex parents. And, of course, you know, you're, you, know, you select the agency that you feel is, you know, the best for you. Um, in terms of inquiries, you know, know that when we inquired about our kids, they were, there was never a question. It was never brought up. It was never a big deal at all. Yeah. I would say that we really didn't have any kind of negativity until the story went viral and we were on, uh, Facebook and social media. You're obviously always going to have those people that feel the need to put in their two cents in their comments. (laughs) Trolls, trolls, trolls. Yeah. (laughs) But that was really the first time that, you know, in those comments, obviously, we didn't share any of them with the kids. We didn't want them to see some of the comments that were in there. Um, But, you know, the nice thing about it was there were so many. There was such an outcry of support and love that if somebody put something negative on one of our stories, we didn't need to say a thing because the supporters like jumped on them and, and ate them up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Been there, been there, done that, you know. Um and and I absolutely will say you you make me look at the world and look at America and really smile because you know, our our political climate is so crazy right now and I always tell people all the time, kids who are in the system, they don't care if you're red or you're blue, they just care that you make sure they matter and to hear that you know you didn't have any you know going through the court systems you know i'm so like i said i it it really makes me smile so so i gotta i guess still have a couple more questions so one of the questions i want to know is i want to know what the very first day was like walk me through that very first day when the kids came to live not when they came to visit when they came to live with you guys well i know like max being the youngest he was six when we met him um, Nasso was just turned eight. Um, so the, the, the younger guys, the younger little guys were always a little bit curious, like, you know, you, you didn't, you're not married to a girl. You don't have a girlfriend. And you, and you know, you explain, well, no, you know, Rob and I are together and we've been married for a long time and we've been a part of each other's lives for a long time. And, you know, and, and every once in a while, you know, even after that, Max would say, so you guys are gay. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, 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 we are. <laughs> you know, but after a while, it kind of just kind of faded away. Like, you know, and uh, Rob and I were very um, conscious of the difference 
um, for them. And, you know, so we didn't maybe show a lot of affection towards each other right at first. And we didn't, you know, we didn't hold hands or, you know, that type of thing. We were trying to be a little bit more, um, you know, conscious of what they might think or how they might feel. And, you know, now, of course, you know, the couple of them, if they see a, a man and a woman kiss on TV, they think it's gross. But then, you know, they see us kiss and they react the same way. You know, it's just, oh, you're kissing again. Oh, don't kiss in front. You know, like, you know, it's the same. It's the same reaction they have, whether it's a man and a woman kissing or or Rob and I kissing now. So that sounds like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It sounds just like my kids. You know, I remember the first yeah. time I remember the first time my son, Makai, um, he'll be 13 in December. And um, we like very much like the two of you. We just never it never was a conversation for us in, in yeah. our house and and I've I've you know follow you know lots and lots of people on, on social media and and because I'm in the public eye I hear that you know some people really I mean they make it a topic and we just never did we never yeah, yeah. it wasn't something that we brought up it wasn't something that we talked about it was something that I just I wanted it to re- evolve just I wanted to be organic and so the first day yep. Makai realized um, he was in school and they were singing a Mother's Day song. They were learning a Mother's Day song of music. <laughs> yeah. and, and he was like in first grade and, and um, the teachers the teachers he says I he says I don't have a mom and the teacher says oh honey everybody has a mom and he says no I don't he's like I have two dads <laughs> and the kid yeah. there was a kid in the classroom who said that's gay and my son has a uh, he has a one-on-one teacher was sitting next to him and she, he looked at the one-on-one teacher and he says what's gay? And she yeah. says, she says, honey, we're going to call your dads. And so yeah. they called, they, let them handle that way. So they called Reese and I, and we, they, she, she told me what had happened. And so when the kids got home, we were like, okay, we better sit down and talk to the kids. And so we sat all four kids down and we were like, okay, we need to talk about this whole, you know, gay thing. Like, have you guys been hearing? And mind you, they've been with us for several years. And my youngest yeah. son, my youngest son, who was like four years old at the time, he looked at his dad and I and he said, why does this matter? And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, dude, yeah. you're so right. It doesn't matter. And so yeah, now we just, yeah. it just doesn't, we, like I said, we just, we don't wear it as a badge. And we feel like, I think if more and more people are like the two of you and like Reese and I, where, you know, this is just part of our life. Um, right. You know, it's almost right. like, you know, people say to, to us, oh, we are raising, you know, African-American kids, you know, even though don't call my one son African-American. He's like, you do not black. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> right. Um, but, but the fact that, yeah. you know, we just want, I always say we want to have good humans we we want to raise yeah. good humans and and you're doing that you two are so raising good humans i'm so happy i'm so proud to know you both um you know what was what will you say to our to our listeners what would you say was the most difficult part of this journey oh wow um probably the adjustment of just trying to give each of the kids what they really crave and that's one-on-one attention and when when there's six of them um, it that could be a little bit of a juggling act, and you just find the opportunity to spend that time one-on-one. It might only be five minutes, you know, it might not be a whole day together, but you just try to really find if it's, you know, at bedtime, we always try to, to have set aside the same amount of time for each kid at bedtime. So bedtime here takes quite a while. <laughs> you're right, because yeah. you're probably, you know, a lot of the kids there developmentally, you know, you would think if maybe a 13-year-old is not meeting as much one-on-one time 
with their parent. But these kids have been shorted attention for their entire lives in so many ways so that even though you might they might be 13 or 12, they still need that one-on-one yeah. time, you know, with their parents. And like Steve said, you kind of, you have to parcel out times, you know, like in our house, for example, all the little, small, younger kids go to bed and then Carlos spends about usually 15 to 20 minutes with us. You know, he comes downstairs and we sit in the kitchen and talk. So we kind of a lot different times to spend with each of the kids. So, but that, that's the hardest part is the juggling act of, you know, just making sure that they'll have all of their emotional needs met. How old are, are the kids? So, um, Carlos is 14 and he's the oldest. Uh, Guadalupe, or she goes by Lupe, is 13. Maria is 12. Selena is 10. Nasa is 9. And Max is now 8 today. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, he's a Libra. Yeah. Love him to death. Because isn't it? We're, yeah, we're yeah. still in the Libra. We're still in the Libra type zone, I think. I think so. Yeah. On yeah. so. So I love the fact that you kept all of their names. And, and you know, so many kids who are adopted through foster care, and I don't think people realize this. And Dana, you know, you probably don't know this, but, you know, we have an option to change the children's first names even when you adopt. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it was something that, you know, we spoke to our children very, we were very open about it. My, um, my daughter, um, she had, she did not want to change her first name. Her name is Amaya. Love, love, love her name. And I was very happy when she chose, she chose my son, Makai. Um, he kept his name. Um, we just changed the spelling because I don't know what who they were thinking when they spelled it. But my old, my younger two boys, they changed their name, their first name. Um, oh, wow. Oh, I yeah. didn't know. Is that in the book? Yeah, I write about it in the book. Oh, I write about it in the book. I don't that, even, that, I don't remember that part. Yeah, yeah that both of my boys um, had different first names, my youngest one. And both of them changed their their first names. We changed their first names and their middle names. Um, so I love that you guys kept their name. And I love the fact that you hyphen um, your name. So I'm assuming, you know, one of you is Anderson and the other one is McLean is that correct right yeah 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 you definitely both are a a lot I decided just to wipe my name clean and go to my husband's name so (laughs) well we thought of different options like trying to combine our names or hyphenate them so we just decided on the hyphenation yeah and going back to um you know the kids names uh, we decided they had uh their uh mom's maiden name was their middle name for all of them so we let them pick out uh, um, you know, new middle names during the process. And they all had various reasons for, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, kind of remembering their past, you know, you know, memorializing their biological parents a little bit with their middle names. So we gave them the option of it. And, uh, but they all ended up changing their middle names. So oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that you gave them the option to, is it, was it a cultural thing to have their middle names um, all the same? We're not sure. Yeah, tell you the truth. It was uh, that was a little different for us. We we've yeah. never seen that before, and we uh, we we weren't sure because if they would be open to it or not. So when we sat down and told them, you know, at this point, you guys do have the option of changing. Um, none of them wanted to change their first names, and we love their first names. Their first names They're beautiful. were the names that we knew from the very beginning, and they became them. You know, right. so it would have been very hard for us to change the first names. Um, but the middle name, you know, was something that, you know, since 
we had this option and, and we, we talked to them and they they got kind of excited about being able to pick their middle name. Right. So except the young boys. They really yeah. didn't they weren't they didn't know what to do. So we ended up giving basically giving them the names of both Steve and I's fathers fathers as their middle names. So yeah. we just kind of picked theirs. Yeah. And I, and both of know. our fathers are deceased. They both passed away. So um, yeah, so we were able to kind of memorialize them too, even though they never got the chance to meet these two amazing little boys. <laughs> so I love the fact that, you know, you said that your older boys, they just knew that this would happen. Um, yeah. but I, you know, one of the things I remember when our children arrived, um, we had a lot of relatives who felt like they had to give their two cents and say, are you guys crazy? You know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) well, it was always an interesting conversation because at this, you know, at that point, everybody knew we were going to adopt and we had mentioned sibling groups. But when we actually were matched with our children and we had to tell everybody, it was such an odd conversation. We would say things like, well, you remember this TV show from the late 70s, early 80s? And, you know, we would try to give their little hints, give them an idea of and they just couldn't believe it. You know, when you tell somebody that you're adopting six kids, they just think you're joking. Yeah. <laughs> they think there's no way that's possible. Right. We always said, we were always teasing them that we were going to do the reboot of Eight is Enough with Parker and Noah <laughs> and the six kids. So, um. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so I'm going to, so you guys are about my age then. I mean, if you just make a reference of Eight is Enough. Um, oh, yeah. I, Dana, do you know what that show is? I do. I do remember <laughs> it. Yes. I'm slightly younger than you, but I do remember it. I used it. to love that show. Uh, yep. yeah. I love that show i love that show listen guys i am just absolutely grateful that you chose to be on our podcast i mean i when i reached out i i really remember saying to my husband never in a million years are they going to agree to be on the sh- the podcast i was like they are just so i mean everybody's oh. probably paying on their doors mm-hmm. and i'm just uh, so so grateful that you do and and just to let you know this is going to air at national adoption month um, and, and we chose you guys because, you know, you're truly doing what I say all the time that people are supposed to do. And that's to be, we all should be leaders and to be leaders. Sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone, um, and truly make a difference for a child. And you guys are making a difference for not one, but six kids. And, and I'm actually getting chills right now. Just thinking about, you know, the craziness. So I, I go one or more, two or more questions. Number one, the one thing that, that we find it very hard in our house at just having four is laundry, laundry. <laughs> Okay. Well, actually, yes, that's, uh, that's actually our project today. That's yeah. our, our all-day project because we were out, you know, we were out of town for the weekend. So normally, you do two or three loads of laundry a day in our house, uh, typically. And you know, having been gone for three days, you have to multiply that all one day. You know, you're talking about you know eight to ten loads of laundry probably yeah. in one day just to get caught up. So yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what Reese Reese says that he says you know laundry. I travel quite a bit, and you notice how I say Reese says that. <laughs> um, you know, I travel quite a bit, and that's the one thing he always. But I always laugh at him, and I always say, you know, there must be a laundry fairy somewhere because I always have clean clothes. You know, the the, the, the other thing having six kids is dinner time. You know, um, oh, yeah. 
and and having so i mean we go through a lot of milk but you know the thing that i've been Thank noticing you. lately um as our family has grown and our kids are eating like they're no longer kids they're eating like you know young adults um i i think that we in our country we have outpriced everybody for us to go out and enjoy a nice meal or you know i always say to my husband you know i feel bad for families who can't afford to go to a baseball game or to a football game yeah, um right. you know and i love like i said i i follow you on social media and i love to see that you guys are very active and you're doing stuff and these kids Dana if you look at them all, every day they cannot be happier oh yeah it, it's oh, amazing man. it's so amazing I'm sure there, well, there are plenty of moments yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I also, we're we're a, we're a regular family so we have good days and we have some not so good days sometimes, oh but. thank <laughs> you thank you thank you yeah. every, for all the listeners out there I wanted you I want to hear you hear that one more he, they are a regular family it's just like we say that all the time we have really good days and we have really bad days and <laughs> yeah. you know and when you have kids you know coming from a system that you know we we definitely could do a better job at you know it's it's I say this all the time. I'm very open about it in my book. My children, we have all talked about it before I got onto a platform to say this is what we do. Therapy saves us. We, you know, it truly does. And even when I remember my one son said to me, I don't think I need therapy anymore. And I said, oh, yeah, you say that today. I said, did you see your behavior yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) He says, but, you know, it's, it's, I love the support. Well, listen, guys, we are so, so excited to have you on the show. And we always end the show with all of our guests we always ask them two questions and because of the fact that you guys have adopted through the foster care system and you had to go through everything that you know people who are going to foster the classes they go through everything like that i don't think there could be two more better experts for these two questions so dana i'm gonna let you to take it away okay if you could change two things about the foster care system what would they be Wow. <laughs> and both of you get to answer that question, by the way. Yes. <laughs> each, each of you take one. <laughs> uh, I would think, and I think a lot of social workers would probably agree in terms of trying to provide permanency for a lot of kids that are floating out in the system for a long period of time, you know, for various reasons, whether it's, uh, you know, a potential reunification or a termination of parental rights. I think, you know, there having the kids in limbo for so long is, you know, is, is tough on them. I think, you know, the, the kids need permanency. And I think, you know, that would be one big thing would be, you know, I guess deciding at a point whether reunification is possible or not. And if it's not to try to find them a permanent, you know, a permanent placement uh, quickly. Absolutely. And we actually, we've talked about that before where, you know, reunification is always the goal, but how long do you give these parents uh, if they can't get right. it together, then the kids need to move on with their lives and, and be into loving homes before it's too late for them. So absolutely. Yeah. I think the thing that I absolutely positively hate to hear is any children aging out of the system. Um, I, I think that there is such a, um, a stigma or, or negativity around adopting a child that is um, a teenager or an older teen or, or, you know, there's kids in the system that are 17, 18 years old that will never, um, unfortunately, and it's so sad, but these kids will never have a home to go to or a home base to go to for Christmas or for their birthday or, 
and it just breaks my heart. So if there was one thing that I can change about the system, and I'm not even sure how to change it, but that's something that I truly feel it needs to be it needs to be addressed to where we don't have kids aging out of the system and having no one to go to or no home to go to after that. Yeah. And, and kind of touching on that, not to take up too much time, but the fact that, you know, a lot of people I think are intimidated or scared about adopting teenagers. But I think, you know, every family or, you know, whether you're a couple or a single, everybody has uh, has their right calling, so to speak. For some people, that might be an infant or a toddler. For others, it might be a large sibling group. For some, it might be a single child. For some, it might be a teenager. Because, you know, the thing is with a teenager, you know, you don't have, you know, you might be able to still continue working full time because the teenager can be more independent. So I think there's a role for everybody in this process. I think, you know, a lot of people go to the, you know, start the idea of parenting of having, you know, an infant, but that's not always the best thing for everybody. You know, it's, you know, it's definitely not my thing. I'm not a big, you know, baby person, <laughs> for example. You know, I, I enjoy toddlers and older kids a lot better. So I think everybody has a place, you know, and there are so many kids out there, older kids that, you know, do need, you know, that do need permanency. No, I agree. I agree 100% with you. I love everything you both are saying because I, I you know, the aging out process is it's the scariest thing ever for any child. Right now, we're mentoring a boy who, um, Reese and I are thinking of considering getting our foster care license back again. And there's a young boy, he just turned 18. And um, he's been in the system, he's been in like 11 schools, eight homes. And, oh. and it's just like, you know, this this young man, you know, because we just held him up in a, in a shattered system that he's right. never going to have permanency. I mean, literally yeah, never going to have permanency. Is that the young man that was on Facebook? That yes, you recently yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yes. I just saw yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, Alex. Yeah. And so, um, he, you know, Reese and I had thought we had closed this chapter in our life, but because of exactly what you guys said, these, you know, being, I, I, don't feel that I'm done being a dad. And I, I yep. really feel that, that that next chapter is for older kids. I'm, I've done the baby thing and I'm, I'm very much. <laughs> no more diapers. I have no desire. Yeah. I, I, right. Don't get me wrong. It's for some people. Some people were meant to have little baby. The diaper yeah. thing, no, thank you. The toddler thing, I'm not, I'm, but I want that, that older child. So I love that. I love that. Guys, <laughs> I want to thank you both so much. This has been such an amazing, amazing um, interview. And, you know, I, I hope that all of our listeners continue to follow your story and, and just, I wish you the very, very best with your kids. And, oh, and I hope you. to meet you one day. I hope that oh. we get to meet. You're too close for us not to meet one day. Yeah, we yeah, would love that. Awesome. We would love that. Well, we would love that as well and we'll make it happen so keep in touch both of you i hope you have an amazing day doing laundry um <laughs> and back to it and, and just to and, let you know D um dana will send you a link to this and um we look forward to many many more years together yeah. okay, okay. You know, we always love talking about foster care and adoption so in yes. the future if you're ever interested in speaking oh, we are. with us again we'd love to you know yeah. because I, we love the idea of promoting fostering to adopt well so. i i say this to to guests who are absolutely amazing and you two are amazing you will be back on by the way so just <laughs> so just okay, just be ready you will be back on um okay. because okay. we have to do exactly what you did with this session is we have to educate people about fostering to adopt and and so yeah. um thank you guys so much and i hope you have an amazing day thank you guys right, yeah. thank you very okay. much okay bye-bye
Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.